friends. Welcome to the Brave Enough Podcast. Grab some coffee, sit back, or enjoy your drive, and let's get authentic, real, and into the good stuff. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut, and I'm so excited to hang out with you today, where we're going to talk about life and work and all the messy stuff in between. So get ready. In episode four of season two, Sasha talks about the importance of setting workplace boundaries. Now here's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Welcome to the Brave Enough Show. If you're just tuning in, this is your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Thank you for joining, and I hope that you came today and you leave a little better than you came. I am a cardiac anesthesiologist and mama four. I live in the middle of the country, and in my evenings and weekends, I am really passionate about my project called Brave Enough, and it is a company I started to encourage women to come to the table authentically, be where decisions are being made as yourself, lead and live in your life as you and as God made you to be. And I'm really passionate about this because I feel that there has been a gap for so many years in our world. There are women that are really focused in the home and they are wonderful mothers and they take care of their children at home. And then we tend to put women in groups. So we tend to put women as women that stay home and women that work. And the women that work, you know, maybe we have other positive attributes that we look and associate with them, like they're stronger or they're more ambitious or they're leaders. But the truth is that the reality of our world today is that most women are both of those things. They are givers. And even if they don't have children, they have spouses or elderly parents or pets or friends that they're taking care of. And then they find themselves in positions where they're also interested or ambitious to lead or to have a career. And there's this constant friction between work and life. And so because of that, I have really come up with this idea that women should feel brave enough to live authentically, whatever mixture of God made them to be, whether it's gritty or grace giving. And so I'm glad that you're here today. And I want you to think about the different aspects of your life that make you as one and that not something that you need to choose or that we put women into boxes. So I am in the middle of a burnout and beating burnout series. And I thought I would do a series of four because it's the end of the year and maybe you're feeling exhausted. Maybe you're feeling burned out. Maybe you feel like you don't have anything to look forward to in your job or you feel stuck in your job or you feel like it's the same old kind of toxic people that you're constantly working with. And, or a con- or a, maybe it's not people, but it's a problem that you're constantly butting up against or you just have a hard time extracting yourself from your job and really enjoying your life outside of work. Or maybe you feel that you're stuck in a job that doesn't bring you passion and you're not really sure how to extract yourself from that and find your passion. So I thought I would do a four-part series. And part of this work has really led me to speak on these topics. I speak probably 30 times a year to different executives and physicians and groups in healthcare and in law and in business and in tech on the concept of burnout. It's probably the biggest thing that I also coach women through is workplace and and work life burnout. Also in their personal lives, they get to the point where many times they feel completely exhausted when they come home and home should be a place where you're replenished. So I have written a book 
book and I'm super excited about it. It's called Between Grit and Grace. And if you're excited uh, like I am and you want to check it out, go to becomebraveenough.com and click on the resources and you can find out all about my book, which is coming out in February of 2020. We're going to be having a book club I would love for you to join. I don't want you to be left out. So get on my mailing list so you can find out when that book is coming out and you can actually pre-order it on Amazon. So in my pursuit of balance for about the last, you know, five or six years, I've really been obsessed with how do I create balance in my life? And I think it's such a buzzword. You know, we read about it. We see people talk about it. We hear the lingo work-life balance all of the time. But what is balance and how do we really create balance? To me, I think when people say I need more work-life balance, but they really mean is I'm, I'm moving towards a point of burnout and I need to change my trajectory. And so I think it's really interesting because if you actually study the literature around burnout, many people can kind of see when they're starting to go into this trial of burnout in their life. They can actually see the handwriting on the wall. They can feel all of the exhaustion and the emotional, just total exhaustion and how they just become completely disengaged. They don't have anything left. They can, it's a slippery slope and they can see themselves going there, but they don't know how to pull back from it. And they don't know how to get themselves out of the situation they're in. And so we commonly hear them say things like, I just need to find more work-life balance. Like it's, you know, some amazing Chanel bag that is, you know, only sold five times a year and you're on the hunt for this or something like you're going to find, oh, there it is. That's where I put my work-life balance. So I have stopped using that term because I think it's a farce. And I think that actually how we create work-life balance is intentional and it's more what I call work-life integration, which really, if you think about it, it's you authentically you and, and keeping you healthy. If you think about your most authentic self, most people don't think about a terrible time in their life when they say, you know, I've gotten away from who I am, or I don't know who I am anymore. What they're really describing is getting back to the person that they feel is their best self. The person that they feel that is creative or is fun or has harmony in their relationships, is healthy mentally and physically, has things that they're looking forward to, is successful, is joyful. So most people, when they think about their authentic self, they don't think of like the bad times in their life. They think about, you know, the good times. Do they think of the perfect times? Probably not, because honestly, those times don't really exist in our life. Sometimes we think about them that way. We may have had a previous relationship that we think, oh, that was the perfect relationship, and there's no relationship since then that's been as perfect. But probably if we really were objective about that relationship or that job or whatever it is, it wasn't perfect, but it was, you know, majority of the time it was it was good and we were able to be authentic. So for me, One of the things that I've had to really recognize is that being authentic for me means being healthy and being healthy in my mind and my body and my spirit means setting boundaries because without boundaries, I'm going to burn out. I'm a achiever. I am a people pleaser. 
I'm an optimist. So I always think I can do with things. I'm like, Oh, I can do that. And what happens is I don't set healthy, realistic boundaries for myself. I will burn out. It's a guarantee. I will burn out with a relationship. I will burn out with a project. I will burn burn out with a, with a job or with anything in my life if I don't set boundaries. And so I think it's really important for us to know what it means to set a boundary and to understand how to do it. Because I see a lot of people in my workplace, especially people that are more junior, just not setting boundaries or having unrealistic expectations of themselves that they place on themselves because other people place them the expectation on them and they just accept it. And they're like, well, this person's asking me to do this or this person's invited me to do this or I guess I'm now doing this. I guess this is normal. And then they are completely burned out. And it's it takes a, if you are in an environment that's toxic, it takes a really strong person to recognize that there's very little boundary management happening and set boundaries. And sometimes you have to leave. And we talked about that in the last episode, because sometimes you're the person that's going, wait a minute, this is really unhealthy. What they're asking me to do is either unsafe or unhealthy or has the potential to really lead me to burn out and, and find dissatisfaction and have errors and judgment in my job. And so I'm going to set boundaries. Those are really hard and difficult things to do. If you're junior, if you're not in a position of power or if you're in a toxic work environment. So I want to encourage you to listen to the last episode if you find yourself thinking like, there is no way that I could do any of these things that she's talking about, because perhaps it is time for you to decide whether you're going to leave a toxic environment. But if you're in an environment that you majority, majority of the time you enjoy and you like, but you know that you are, you're heading towards burnout, you definitely want to listen to this episode. So what are work boundaries? Okay. So this is how you teach people to treat you in the workplace. That's how I think of boundaries. And everybody has different boundaries because what bothers me may not bother my partner or my office mate. What is an infringement in my mental health may not be an infringement in his or hers. So it's really important that you first recognize that. And that's crucial because that takes away the expectation that we think everyone else has the same boundaries we do or understands the same boundaries that we do. Um, For example, I typically find two types of two groups of people. I have groups of people that the minute an email comes to them, they want to answer it and get rid of it and cross it off their list so they don't have to think about it. And it's actually stressful for them to let emails pile up. Then there's a whole other group of people that when they, they don't look at their emails when they're all day long, when they're multitask, they don't, they don't multitask. They stay focused and they let their emails kind of pile up and then they do batch work and they get through their emails on, you know, a Thursday morning and they have no guilt about it because it's actually stressful for them to respond to emails by, from their phone. So those are, those are two colleagues that could be working side by side with completely different needs for boundaries because of their personality and what may stress them out. So it's kind of like, you know, my husband and I are completely opposites in when it comes to cleanliness. Um, 
I cannot go to bed for some reason without the kitchen being picked up. I have to have like the island cleaned off and, and washed down and all the dishes in the dishwasher and the sink clean and everything put away and tidy before I go to bed. And even if it's two in the morning and I'm coming home from doing a heart transplant or something, I'm like, Oh, I got to clean off the the island. (laughs) which is like insane. Now, my husband, on the other hand, like he's just like, okay, I'm going to bed. Like he doesn't care if there's like dishes in the sink or papers all over the island or the kids' backpacks or whatever. He just goes to bed. He's like, I'm checking out, I'm going to bed. And it really doesn't bother him. And he'll be like, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. And he will, he'll just put it off to a different time. And it actually stresses him out when I'm like, Hey, Hey, we, we got to do this before we go to bed. Like it, it really bothers him because it's not on his time frame, And he's like, that doesn't bother me. I don't actually need to clean off the Island. I'm going to sleep. So it's a good example of, you know, both of those, neither one of those things is right. It's not like my way is right. His way is right. And so it's important to understand that about our work colleagues, because something that actually may be, um, a boundary for you isn't a boundary for someone else. So if you don't teach people what your boundaries are and you're not really clear about them, you can't expect people to follow them. So the number one thing that I think most people struggle with in the workplace is not boundaries with their colleagues. It's actually boundaries with their bosses or with their leaders. And it's because there's a power differential and that's a given. And there's nothing we can do to, you know, get around the power differential, right? Everybody, every organization has hierarchy and structure, and that's how things work and processes are are done and and work is efficient. But the problem with that is sometimes we have a hard time being really transparent and being honest and giving feedback to our leaders about boundaries. So, you know, maybe it's really um, efficient for your boss to call you um, every day at five o'clock and check in on, on something, but maybe five o'clock for you is when you're rushing to get to a soccer game or, or that's your son or your daughter or, or someone's, you know, basketball game or something. And you don't want to talk at five o'clock, but because it's your boss or, or someone above you, you feel that you should be available to them even though you may come in at like six in the morning or five in the morning and you would never call your boss then because that, you know, that he or she is working out or that's not the time where, you know, there may, maybe they're, they work later and you have more earlier, uh, work ethic and time and you like to get it done in the morning and they like to get it done late at night. So this is a common theme and I hear this. And the biggest thing is that it's just, you just have to talk about it. And it can be really scary to, to bring this up and say, you know, I don't appreciate it when you call me at five o'clock. That's not how I would phrase it. <laughs> I would just say, hey, and, and I would be really proactive from five to six p.m. Uh, my this is I have a commitment and you don't have to explain what that is. That's, you know, you are not, you don't, you are not like committed to your job 24 seven. And I think that that's really hard, especially in the field of medicine, because sometimes we, we can let it be. Um, also if you're in any giving or human profession, you could give to other humans 24 seven. So if you, it's even more important to set boundaries when you work in these professions. And I mean, I know for me, I've said, you know, this, this hour of time is really important for my mental well-being or my health. So I am totally open to receive emails at this time or calls, but I can't from this time. And, and here's the thing. 
when you are a leader, and this is really hard for me, I've had to learn this, and you're sending emails to people at eight o'clock at night, and you are responding to emails at eight o'clock at night or phone calls, you are setting the precedent. And that's really important because you're teaching other people beneath you or learners what is normal. So if you're sending emails on Saturday a.m. at six in the morning or Friday night at 2 a.m., which I've done multiple times because I'm an anesthesiologist and sometimes I'm awake at two in the morning working. So I'll send, I'll respond to an email. What you're saying is that's normal. And so one of the things that I have done is I've added a line to my email that says, please do not feel entitled or pressured to respond to my emails on nights and weekends. Because I recognize that I was teaching other people that I had no boundaries and that, and that a good worker, a hard worker didn't have boundaries. And I was really convicted by that. And so I've added that to my email and I have told and and changed my expectations of others responding to my emails. So I think the transparency with your boss or your leaders is so important because most leaders, if they're good leaders who are educated and in the know about workplace burnout, will be really responsible for and, and really, you know, respectful of employees that set boundaries because they know that those employees are going to stay engaged and are going to be the high achievers because lazy people don't burn out. It's the high achievers that burn out. So we want to really protect those high achieving people, the people that follow through. We want to make sure that they stay well and they stay engaged. So most of leaders are going to really respect those boundaries. And I can tell you, I have a boss that definitely respects those boundaries. You know, I have no problem telling him I used to fear it a little bit, but now I'll say, you know, I'm going to go to the gym and work out. I'm not going to be available for an hour. So, you know, I know that he gets it and he's probably thankful that I work out because it probably means that I'm going to be a healthier employee and I'm going to show up and I'm going to be more engaged. It's radical. It can be very radical. And I understand not all bosses get this, but I think that it's up to us to teach people how to treat us in the workplace. So when you show other people your boundaries and you're really transparent and clear about them, for example, work email on vacation. How many of you go on vacation and check your work email? I mean, I've been guilty of this for years and years and years. And a couple years ago, my administrative assistant, who's wonderful, was really, I could tell, very worried about me because I was extremely, uh, overwhelmed and feeling a lot of pressure for deadlines. And I was really looking forward to a vacation, but I had a manuscript due and a grant due, and I knew I was going to have to work on vacation. And she said, I want you to delete the email app off your phone the, after two days of vacation. And I was like, I can't do that. And she said, yes, you can. We're going to disable it. And she knew I had to be on the first two days of my vacation. But after that, she's like, please promise me. Now, when I came back to work, I did it and it was terrifying. But when it was also extremely lovely, when I came back to work, I had like 700 emails. And you know what? 90% of them had answered themselves. I thought, how much time did I just save that week having my email off on my phone? I would have answered emails that eventually somebody answered in the week I was gone. I didn't really need to answer. 
And it was really eye-opening for me because I thought, you know, I am, I, I should be able to walk away from my job for a week and everybody else keep going. That there was a sense of ego being tied into people needing you. And I think it's really something that we should be careful of and 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 really go inward and ask ourselves, you know, are we staying on our devices and engaging with work on our off time because it's feeding our ego. Um, and that's something that we have to work through. So what about electronics? Because part of the problem that people are so, uh, they have such a difficult time disengaging from their work life when they're at home at night or on the weekends or on vacation is because electronically someone can reach you 24 seven. I mean, it used to be that I would leave my pager in my locker when I was a resident. And and if I wasn't on call, I would just go home and nobody really called me. But now, you know, I might spend 24 hours in the hospital and I walk out the door and within 45 minutes, somebody's texting me or calling me and I can't disengage. It's much easier to stay engaged with your work. Definitely. It has benefits. There's benefits to us being able to you know, stay engaged over, um, our devices and electronically and in the current situation, but it's also, you know, a huge opportunity for burnout. And so I would say that one of the things that I do is I don't have my work email on my email on my phone that just dumps to my mail app. I have my work email separate in an app that is on like page seven of my phone. So I have to like scroll to find it because otherwise I will constantly looking at it. And the other thing is notifications. Okay. If you have time for notifications, Oh Lord, you have too much time. (laughs) So that's another thing I do. I don't put social media apps on my first page and I don't let the notifications come to me because it's too tempting for me to just go onto social media or go and check my work email if it's right on my home screen and there's a little red dot with a number on it. So get it off of your main screen so that when you come home, you can disengage. And do you know what this does? This forces you to work during work hours. If I know that I'm not going, if I tell myself I am not going to work tonight, um, guess what? When I go to work at seven in the morning, my door is shut and I'm focused and I'm productive because I know that I'm not going to, I promised myself I'm not going to work tonight. I'm going to be with my family or whatever. I am more engaged and more productive at work when I know I can't work at night or on the weekends. So it's really actually good for us. And it makes us more productive when we set those boundaries for ourselves. but only we can keep those boundaries. Right. And I think that it's, it's really, really important to be realistic with yourself. I mean, is it that you're never going to check a work email? You're never going to have to call somebody. No, that's not reality. But if you make it something that is abnormal for people to be able to call and reach you and you answer, um, in off hours, it will stop. And I have done a total 180 on this. I used to be the person that answered every phone call, every email, no matter what time. And I prided myself in it. And there was this type A, you know, part of me that loved like swiping right and deleting. Oh, took care of that. Took care of that. I loved going to bed. It was like the kitchen being clean. I loved going to bed with my phone being clean. And now I've had to realize like that is not a healthy boundary. And when I want to spend time with my family, they don't want me looking at my work email. They don't want me answering a phone call that really should wait till morning. So you have to train yourself and everyone else around you how to treat you. And this is important because it prevents you 
from being someone that everyone has access to. And this was a really big lesson for me to learn because this is called boundary management. If you are someone that anyone can call at any time of the day or night or day, and you're always there, it's a big ego boost. You feel really important. You feel like you're a great friend. You're a great colleague. You know, you're very professional. I would say that is a very dangerous place to be because you are going to burn out and guess what? You're, it's going to be quick and it's going to be mighty and it's going to be bad. You should have boundaries for yourself and self-respect to set them. That's self-compassion. And I think sometimes we think, oh, I'm just going to be the hardest worker. I'm going to have no boundaries, but you're going to burn out and you're going to get bitter and you're going to get angry and you don't want to end up that person. So it's better to set healthy boundaries and to teach other people how to treat you, including your leaders, including your bosses. Most bosses will really appreciate that and they'll appreciate the transparency. I hope I gave you some tips today on how to set boundaries. And I want to encourage you enough to go to Amazon and check out my book, Between Grit and Grace. I would love for you to buy it on presale. We're going to have a book club for anybody who buys it um, before it comes out in February. And I would love to get you on that mailing list. So as always, live brave. This has been an HSG production. 